1: You guys are so incredible. And uh, Denise, God just dropped a word in my heart for you. Denise has one of the most powerful voices of of any human I've ever heard sing live. But what God says for you in this season... I heard clearly in this message is that the power that you carry in the spirit will far eclipse the power of your voice, that the power you carry into the marketplace in this next season is going to far eclipse anything that you ever even thought or imagined. So if you just reach out your hands to Denise with me, Lord, I thank you for this mighty woman of God. I thank you, Lord, for the things that she's been believing for, that she might have even lost hope in. I thank you that now is the season that you're going to bring the harvest in her life, in her business, in her world, Lord God, in new ways. And I thank you that that power is for today that is your power in her, not anything that she has to do, not any striving, but it is you just resting on her. I thank you for her in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, my friend. (laughs) Worship team, great job today. I love you all so much. And uh, if you would, give somebody a high five and a hug and say, I'm so glad that Jesus said that we are his. And you may have your seats. As, um, as Pastor Michael said, my wife and I have the, the unbelievable honor of, of leading this amazing worship team. And I think I might be partial, but we have some of the highest caliber leaders on our team. Like, Mandy and I are humbled sometimes at the, at the level of leaders that we get to lead. And I just, like, I, I don't know, Pastor Michael and I were joking, like, is there any feedback we could even give Carrie Daly? Like, what a word. Like, maybe she could teach us a little bit. Like, the, I'm just so proud of you both, Dailies, just the level of leadership and anointing on your life and yet still submitting under another leader. I love it, and I'm so proud of you both. And Elda, on Wednesday, if you were here Wednesday, Elda McGinty got to preach. Just the, the level of leaders that we get to lead is, is humbling. And the only reason that we've been able to, to do it, really, to lead the way that we have, I, I've always felt, like, so free to run in my lane. In worship and so um, free to lead how God teaches me to lead. And it I want to just take a minute because that's uncommon for a leader to have that kind of uh, um, freedom and empowerment from their leaders. And so I want to honor Pastor Michael and Lisa, the, the way that you guys empower us to run in our lanes, the way that you really just hand it over to us and say, I trust you, go. It has made us better leaders, and it is seen in the fruit of the leaders that are coming from worship. So thank you guys so much for your leadership. And um, I, I always smile when I do this, but I love Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. I love their, like, their boldness. Like, Pastor Leanne's so sweet, like, so sweet and kind, and, like, Pastor Juergen's always smiling and so fun. But, man, cross their church. Like, there's a boldness in their faith that says, what God told me to do like the sweetness will go real quick. I'm, I'm doing what God told me to do. And I love it. And it, it, that boldness, it's inspiring. And it's, it's one of the reasons why, like, Mandy and I are as bold as we are about the things God called us to. So thank you, Pastor Juergen and Leanne, for going first. And we love you. Um, you know, one of the things at this church that we encourage is we encourage you to, to read your Bible and to get the word from God for yourself to dig into the word and to let the word come alive to you. And like Sundays are great and all the podcasts in the world are great and all the books that you can read on, you know, studies are great. But the heart has got to be in the word of God. The foundation has got to be in the word of God. So we always encourage you, get into the word yourself. We have our Bible in a year, which if you haven't done, I want to encourage you, pick it up, start from today. It, it, what it does is it gets the word in your heart. It gets the word in your life. And it helps you to, like I've heard people be like, "Oh, I just can't get a routine around reading the Bible. We'll get Bible in a year. Then you can. That easy. <laughs> but it's important that we get the word into, into our spirits for ourselves. That, we, that that's the meat and potatoes. That's the bread of it. And that the rest of this is supplements into that. And so if, if you haven't read the Bible much, or maybe you have, I want to encourage you, go back through the Gospels and read the miracles of Jesus. That's what I'm gonna, I want to talk on a little bit today is just imagining yourself in those miracles and and seeing, like, it would be so cool to have been there, right? Like, I always put myself in the place of maybe the disciples or maybe just some random person that was walking around when Jesus was doing a miracle. And one of the cool things that I've learned, like, I've probably read some of these stories and some of these miracles in the Bible i don't know probably north of 60 times like from a childhood on up or had them read to me but recently i just i had this revelation of like none of them were jesus doing the miracle by himself like it was never the jesus show like people came from miles around to see the jesus show like we're in a big auditorium in a stadium and jesus is up front like poof, miracle Miracle, And everybody clapped and then sat back down. Every single miracle, just about, I mean, you could probably find some exceptions, but just about every single miracle that Jesus did, it required interaction from somebody else. It required somebody to, to join him, and it's intentional. It's the heart of God. He wants to do stuff with us, and he wants to move in the miraculous ways through us. And it's why Jesus was both God and man, because he wanted us to realize that, yes, we're flesh, Yes, we've fallen, we've sinned. But when Jesus sits in us and that, like in the song, it said, when the dove rests upon the Christ in me, we can work in the same power and in the same authority and the same vein that he did. So like, I'm reminded of of the story of Lazarus, which in John 11, which by itself is like, probably one of the biggest opportunities for offense in the Bible. <laughs> like, I, I just, I want to dig into this a little bit. Like, think about at this point in Jesus's like, ministry he's raised two people from the dead he has spoke to a sick person from miles away and they were healed right like and his friends call him like hey Jesus your your buddy Lazarus our, our our brother our friend he knows these people it's not like some random like miracle he's sick and he's about to die can you do something and he didn't and he said it's he told his disciples it's it's for my glory and so that you will believe that he, that this is happening and then he, then he, after he dies, he waits four days before he gets there. Like, if I'm them, I'm like, what are you doing? You could have just spoke and did it. And then he gets there, right? And, and this is my favorite part. And it, it's in Luke eleven thirty nine. 39. Um, he's up on the screen. He's talking to the people um, that are doubting him verbally, that are saying, this is the guy that healed people and he couldn't even save Lazarus. And I, I kind of... Look at it this way, like somebody's over there, arms crossed. Like, this is the guy that, he should have saved it. And he tells him, oh man, that's not even the right verse. <laughs> well, I put the right, wrong verse down. Uh, but what he tells him in, in the verse that it should have been up there, I didn't even I didn't read that. <laughs> he tells him, you roll the stone away. So he looks at these people that are doubting, and he says, you, you roll the stone away. These are the same people, probably, that put the stone there. Wow. And he tells him, you roll the stone away. If I was there, I'd have been like, dude, you, you spoke to the waves and they stopped. Just, just like move the stone yourself. Yes. Like you can do it. I don't need to, I just put that stone there. Wow. But he, he wanted them to realize like I need, I need your participation yes. for that miracle. Or I think about when he told Peter to go down to the water and cast his line in the water. And the first fish he pulled up to open his mouth and there's going to be a gold coin in there. I would have been like, what? what are you talking about? Like, I've been fishing my, this is my profession. I do this. There's no, there's no gold coins in fish's mouth. Or I would have been like, hey, if you can just, like, I believe you can make the coin appear in his mouth. Can you just make it appear in my hand so I don't have to? But he didn't. Or I think about, this, this one for me is probably the most, like, fun one. The people that worked at the wedding venue when Jesus turned water into wine. Like, he asked them to go fill vats with water. They're like, dude, we, like, we work here. This is our job. Like, you want us to go fill up? He asked them to fill up over 120 gallons of water. And this isn't like a hose that you turn on and just fill. Like, he asked them to go take buckets, walk over to the well, fill them up, walk them back, dump them in, repeat. It probably took them north of two hours to do this. I put myself in those shoes. If I'm that guy, right? Like, I'd have been like, hey, so, I'm not I'm, I'm not the brightest guy, but we're talking about wine here, and you're asking us to fill these buckets with water. If you're planning to do something where you like turn this water into wine, any chance, just maybe, that you'd want to turn the air in the buckets to water first? <laughs> just could you like, and he could have. Like, the point is, Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. He didn't do it. Why? Because he needed participation, he didn't want to do things alone. He, he, didn't want, he didn't want people to see that his miraculous power works and all they do is just stay out of the way. Jesus is here. Like, do, he wants to do this with us. He wants to do life with us. And I, I think back, like, there's a saying that I've, I've heard and I, I don't think it's, it, it's wrong necessarily for the people that say it, but I think it's just a little misplaced. They'll say things like, God, move now like you did back then. Move today like you did in the upper room. And I think it's just slightly misplaced because the heart of God is that he wants to do something new through us. And in Isaiah 43, 19, and this one's the right verse, I promise. <laughs> he says, see, I am doing a new thing. And later in the verse, he says, do not perceive it? God wants to do something new today. He doesn't want to raise Lazarus again. Like, he wanted to work through them in that moment for their salvation so they would believe. Today, he wants to work through you and me. He wants to do a new thing. And he asks here through the prophet Isaiah, do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive that I want to do something with you? I want to do something in your world, in your family, like specific to the, the lane that you're walking in right now. I want to do something with you. Um, you know, when, when God moved back then, it required those friends of Lazarus. It required their yes. When God moved in, in that wedding venue, it required those workers to say, you know what, this is crazy, but I'll fill up the buckets. I'll do it. This is, it doesn't make any sense, but I'll do it. It required their yes for, for the miracle to be unleashed. And I'll tell you that today, God wants to move in the city of El Cajon, but in order for him to move, it requires bold yeses like the Hunleys that say, yes, we'll set up church in a tent for a year when it's hot, We'll do it when it's cold. We'll tear it back down. It doesn't make any sense to us. But God, if you say you'll move, we'll show up. And I'm going to tell you that some of the breakthroughs that we want to see in this city, some of the breakthroughs that you want to see in your family, they require our yeses. They require us to step into the arena. Breaking the back of homelessness, of addiction in this city requires the people of God to say yes to some things that might not make a lot of sense. We've got to step in and say, hey, I'll partner with the miracle-working God, and I'll move. I'll move when he tells me to move. The title of my message today is Your Move. Your Move. In this house, we'll hear a lot. Like, you'll hear the story, I take a step, God takes a step. I take a step, God takes a step. You'll hear that faith and works are required to go hand in hand because faith without works is dead. It's one of my favorite uh, concepts in my walk with God is the, the, the kind of you step, I step Peace and what I want to talk about today, what I want to dive into, is kind of some practical points of what that looks like, and I, I want to highlight some areas in my life where I've either slowed it down or or have stopped the move of God because either I stopped or I stepped into God's lane, uh, and I don't want to do this today as a way to um, point out my flaws. But my, my heart and my prayer is that through seeing some examples, you can get unlocked in your world and step into the lane that God's called you to, and you can run without the hindrances that have tied down so many people. So that's my prayer for you today. Um, and I love the, the chessboard up there. I, when I was prepping this message, I, I told my wife about it, and she goes, like, just like this, she goes, you like chess? <laughs> like, kind of with that, like, you're a nerd look. And um, I just, I want to honor my wife because she is the best, the best of people. And for those of you that, that know us or don't know us, like, I, I'm not the easiest person to live with, and I haven't been our whole marriage. And I'm so proud of you, babe, for the way that you champion me, the way that you love me, the way that you're, your heart for our family and the heart that you have to lead others. And I'm so proud of you, and I love you so much. And I'm going to keep playing chess. Just throwing that out there. She laughs because I don't ever play chess, but I do like chess. Anyways, I picture this, like, this walk with God as a game of chess where God and I are on the same team and I make a move and he makes a move. And I always picture it like if I'm playing with my daughter, like, I'm going to get so excited about this game because she has no idea how to play this game. No idea how any of the pieces move. But I get to like, do it with her and I get to teach her. And it, like, the, the picture I get is like we're playing a very real opponent that really wants to beat us. But I get to teach my daughter how to crush that opponent. I get to teach her how to use strategy and win at a game that she has no idea how to play. And I picture the same thing with God in our walks with God. Like God just gets this big smile on his face. And he's like, come on, Jared, let's play this game that you have no idea how to play called life. Like step into this with me. Let's have some fun. Make this move and start a new business. And I'm like, I have no idea how that, like, does it move one? Does it, can it go up two and over one? Does it go diagonal? Does it, like how does it move? Teach me. And he's like, no, no, just make the move. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And then he makes a move, and then I make a move. And I, I just picture this game of chess with God that kind of represents our life. And I, um, Some of my points will, will kind of allude to, to chess a little bit, not too much. So don't, don't get too worried. But I have five points today, and I'm going to make it through all five. I've never done a five-point message, so I'm super excited. Uh, but my point number one is uh, know when it's your turn. Know when it's your turn. And don't think of this as like a game. Think of this as like in your daily walk with God, in your life. You know, often in my life I've been like, Lord, I need you to move on my behalf. I need a breakthrough. Or I've said to my wife before, and I've stopped saying this since, but, babe, I just need a break. Like, God, can you just bring a break for me? And I think too often, like, there is, there is wisdom around waiting on the Lord and waiting on his Spirit like in prayer and in meditation and in for him to move. But I think the distinction I want to make here is we can get caught in this place of, God, it's your move on my behalf. Do something for me. And he's like, man, I I made my move. It's your turn. Like, I'm not going to take your turn. I, I told you, you know, I said, hey, you can move that piece to that square. I showed you the move. It's your move. And so this point... You know, when it's your turn, I, I think sometimes we can get lost in this. Like, well, it's my turn, but I don't even know where to move. And so I want to encourage you, what, what I've found in my life is if, if I'm in that place where I'm like, God, I need you to move. He's always challenged me, are you sure it's my move or is it yours? And I, I go back to, okay, Lord, what move do I want to make? And he, God, it makes it so simple. Our God is so simple in the way he leads. He says, go back to the last thing I told you. Like I told you very clearly, and you, you got it, like you didn't miss it, to have a great marriage, to love your wife, to honor her, to serve her. I told you to be a great father to your two girls. I told you to do those things first, and then I told you in ministry to run an amazing worship team. So when, you forget, like when, when you're wondering what to do, just go back to the things I told you and make your move, and then let me make mine, and then make your move, and let me make mine. And I think that this is why in Luke 9 there's such a firm warning about taking your hand off the plow that God called you to. Like, it it says specifically to not look back and take your hand off the plow. And the reason for that is because when God calls us to something, when he calls our hand to the plow, maybe maybe it's the plow of starting a new business. That's hard. It's a hard, like, that ground hasn't been tilled yet. You don't know how to do it. You don't know how to file the paperwork. You've never done it before. It's scary. Maybe he's asked you to write a book, and you've put it off. Maybe he's asked you to be the best stay-at-home mom in the world and raise up the next generation a leader. Maybe he asked you to reach out to that neighbor that you thought would never never say yes to Jesus. Like, what's the plow that God's called you to? What's the lane that he's called you to run in? Be careful, church. Be careful, friends, taking your hand off the plow. It's been one of the things in my life that when I've done it, it's kind of just led to this block of, of God moving. And I'm like, God, where's the breakthrough? And he's like put your hand back on the plow and break the ground up and then I can move. Um, My point number two is don't get paralyzed over a bad move. And I would say of of all the things in my walk with God um, that have slowed me down or or held me back even, probably the biggest has been living in a place of shame over things I've done in my past. Like I have a testimony and uh, I grew up in the church, but uh, in in my early adult years, I lived life for me. And I call those my testimony-building years. Uh, and in those years, there was a lot of mistakes. there's a lot of bad moves. And it's, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, well, that was before Jesus, or for me, that was my testimony-building years. But if I'm honest, there's been moves in my, in my Christian walk as a mature Christian that haven't been great moves. Like I've done some things where I'm like, man, that wasn't the best way to handle that situation. That wasn't the best way to speak to that person. That wasn't the best way to treat my wife. And I'm, I'll get caught up in this place of, man, I suck. I, don't, I think you can say suck in church. I don't know. <laughs> I'll don't i beat myself up. I'll, leave, I'll live in this place of shame, and I won't make the next move because I'm stuck on the bad move I made. And I feel that God has been telling me, and he, he's telling you today, if that's the place that you're in, like, hey, I made the next move. I went for it. I made another move on your behalf. Like, I am the God of victory. I'm the God who doesn't know defeat. Like, I think God's telling you today, and this is a message for somebody in this room, we're going to win. Like, I see the bad move. Stop making the bad move. Repent. Move on. But we're going to win this game. I get to move next. Don't get stuck on the bad move. You're going to have breakthrough. Maybe it was a rough move in your life. Yeah, maybe you messed up. But we're going to have breakthrough. Remember that the next move that God makes is going to make up for the one you made. And ultimately, remember that a move he made 2,000 years ago covered. When he died on the cross, it covered already all of the sins that we could make, that we will make. And I think for me, sometimes I have stifled the power of God that was given on the cross and pushed down Jesus because I said, no, I'm not worthy to receive it. Because I sat in that place of the bad move I made. And I want to encourage you today, if you've made a bad move, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe it was 10 hours ago, don't sit in it. Don't sit in it. Come get prayer for it, yes. Repent of it, yes. Move on, yes. But don't let that thing hold you back from the next move God told you to make. Um, Also, I, I want to talk about the opposite of that as well, you know, a good brother of mine, Leon, he's on our security team here. He shared in men's prayer recently that when we get a victory, when we make a good move, sometimes we can pull back on the on the gas pedal. And I want to encourage you, like, just like, don't get stuck, like, in a bad move. Also, don't get stuck and stop playing because you made a great move. Like, don't get stuck because you got that job, you got that breakthrough, you got that abundance, and now you're just going to coast. And I think one of the saddest things for me to see is when men or women will come into men's and women's prayer on Tuesday and Thursday mornings with a, a, a legitimate need, like a prayer for a new job, a prayer for a miracle child, a prayer for a breakthrough in a family relationship. And their brothers and sisters will lay hands on them and pray for them, and they'll get it. And then they don't show up anymore. And it's such a, a heartbreaking thing for me because this relationship that Jesus died for, like this, this bond he wants to have with us, becomes transactional instead of relational. And so I want to encourage you. I want this to be a point of encouragement. If you've received breakthrough, if you've received that miracle, if you've raised your hand when Pastor Michael said, if you've had a miracle in your life, keep showing up. Come and be the one that pulls that person that's stuck right now up and says that miracle's for you too. Be like Carrie Daly and say, hey, we can reach out and grab that. Sow into the next person. so into the next youth that's going to get breakthrough at conference because of your yes, because of your victory, and pass it back on. My point number three, don't stop playing because it's tough. And I use the term playing. I'm talking about our Christian walk, our lives. Like don't walk away from what God's called you to because it gets tough. Because maybe, maybe like things in life happen. Let's be honest. We live in a fallen world. Maybe you lose that job. Maybe that relationship that you, start, you thought would be forever is starting to get on the rocks. Maybe things in the game aren't looking as good as you thought they were. Like, there are, there are times in games where it gets tough. And I always use a, a, a card game that my wife loves to play as an example. Um, it's called Nerts, and it's a very fast paced card game. And I've played my wife several times in it, and without fail, I always get crushed. And when I do in the past, I throw a fit, I throw the cards off the table, I get mad, I tell her she's cheating. And I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we can flip the game over with God. It's not quite going the way we want, and we can flip the game over. That's it, I'm done. We didn't get a breakthrough, so we stopped coming to church. Maybe that that boss that we loved got fired, and the new boss that is coming in is making our life miserable. Maybe, and this is like, maybe it's not our fault. Maybe a parent passed away way too young, or a relationship with a brother or sister was lost. Don't give up. Don't stop playing the game because it got hard. In Isaiah 42, or 43-2, also the correct verse. Um, By the way, Isaiah 43 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. If you don't take away anything else from this message, go home and read Isaiah 43. But it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This passage is so important for me because it says, when you pass through the waters, when you, when you walk through the fire. See, our God is not one that camps in the mire. He doesn't camp in the valleys. And I think where we can get in trouble is we do. Like when I'm in a, a tough place, sometimes I just camp there in the woe is me camp. God doesn't do that. He doesn't camp with us. And we can get in this place of woe is me and wonder where God is. And nowhere in the Bible does it say when you camp in the valley, I'll I'll come play the woe is me harp with you. It says clearly when you pass through the valley. When you walk through the fire, I'm in. I'm coming with you. I'm I'm in to go through it with you. You want to go through it? I'm, I'm with you. I will be with you in that. See, God gives us free will for a reason. He says, "He says, look at my word. Look to what I've written and what I've said to you. When you decide that, yeah, this situation is hard. It's unfair for me. I'm going to go through it anyways with you. I'm not going to sit in it. I'm going to go through it. I'm not going to talk about how unfair it is. I'm going to go through it. That's when he says, I'll do it with you. Don't get distracted. Or don't stop playing because it's tough. Point number four is don't get distracted. I always picture in... Um, in Washington Square Park in New York, a big line of tables, right? A big line of chess tables, one right next to the other. And I picture Bobby Fisher, right, who's pro- arguably one of the best chess players of all time. Like he's been, the stories say he played like 10 experts at the same time and just made a move, made a move, made a move, made a move. Came back around and, and he beat them. Beat almost all of them. I don't know. I don't know the details. But like just that level of chess prodigy as a young young youth. And he beat all these guys. I always think to myself, what if I was playing chess at the table next to him? I would be like, I'd stop making moves because I'd be watching his game. And I think too often we can get distracted by maybe our neighbor's game or another leader's game. I think, I think too often we can be like, man, look at the Isaacs game. Like, they are crushing it. Every move is good. Like, everything is fruit. And we can get distracted by looking at someone else's lane. And we don't see it all, right? And and what we can do is stop making our moves if we get distracted. I think that one of the biggest tools, weapons of the enemy against the Christian believer. And I'm not talking about against the unsaved. Against the Christian believer, so the men and women in this house, is not to try to get us caught up in sin. Like that used to be my mentality, right? The enemy's trying to get me caught up in sin. So if I can stay out of sin, I'm beating him. That's not his biggest weapon. His biggest weapon is to get you just slightly distracted from the lane he's called you to run in. If he can get you off just a touch, looking at someone else's game for just a second, get your eyes off the, the, the goal that he called you to run on. Uh, Stephen Covey calls it, get you into the thick of thin things. If he can get you into the thick of it, of thin things, and get you distracted from what he called you to do, then, then what, what takes place overall is the, the move that God has for this city. The enemy can hold it back just slightly without having to do anything because we do it for him. So I want to encourage you, run your lane. Like it would be, it's always easy for us as people to be like, well, so-and-so, X, Y, Z. If, if I'm looking, like my lane is worship in this, in this house and it's leading great worship teams and it's developing great leaders and loving people with my whole heart. If I'm looking at the Isaacs, and saying, man, they could do X, Y, Z better. If I'm looking at the Turners and saying, well, I just I think I could probably do it better than them. What I'm doing, it's it's a tool of the enemy because if he can get me distracted over here and he can get Will and Kayla distracted over here, then what takes place is worship and production miss where God called it to go in this city. And the enemy understands if he can get us distracted just a little bit at the game next to us or just a little bit on what's going on over here then we'll miss the lane that we're called to. So I want to encourage you, don't get distracted. In Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, it says, look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. And then at the very end, it says, keep your foot from evil. David is being very intentional here. And like, he's not saying, hey, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. He's saying, keep... Keep dead focused on the path that you're to go out. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Don't get distracted by the things on the side of the path. And keep your foot from evil. So I think it's very important for us to remember to not get distracted. Like and it can be hard if if you're if you're running in your lane and you're you're you know, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or a single mom and you're doing the best you can do and you're wearing out. Don't get distracted. That's the lane you're called to run in. You're raising up a champion. You're raising up the next generation. And you need to remember that that calling is just as important as the one to lead this church that Pastor Michael and Lisa have. Run your lane well and don't get too distracted. Point number five, and I made it through all five points. Point number five, don't take God's move. I think that as we start to grow in in our walk with God and You know, I I picture as my daughters start to learn the game of chess or checkers or any game we're playing, they're ready to, to, dad, can I take your move? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So then they move and then they take my move and then they move again and they take my move. And by the end of it, they're playing the whole game and I'm just sitting there watching and they're getting frustrated because they're getting beat and they don't understand what's going on. I think that we can get into the same place because God's will for our lives is for us to win, but he's not going to overrule our will. And we need to understand that. And, and this is why it says to work out your faith in fear and trembling. Like we need to have such awe and reverence that we get to play. Like we get to do life with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we have to be very careful not to take his moves. And, you know, a good, a good friend of mine, an amazing leader in this house, Eldon McGinty, encouraged me a couple years ago. We were in the country bar and I, to be honest, I was really frustrated with the lack of growth in the worship team. As a, as a leader, you know, things that grow produce fruit. And for about a year, our team had kind of been stagnant. We hadn't grown in numbers. We didn't have new, new team members. And I was frustrated, and I was talking to her, and I was like, you know, we, I, I need to do you know, more outreach programs. And I need to go meet more people, and I need to, like, walk around and, hey, hey, do you play an instrument? Do you play an instrument? Do you play an instrument? Yes, and then I need to, like pressure those people into joining the team and shame them if they don't. Like, I wish that was a joke. I need to go find these people. I need to build this team. I need to be the one that, that makes this team better. And she said to me, Jared, there's some things that are yours to do and then there's some things that are God's to do. Don't, don't take his. Don't take that weight on your shoulders because you can't carry it. Like you'll, you'll, you'll break under it. And she said, yes, your, your job is to develop a great culture, a healthy culture, to raise up leaders that can lead other leaders. Your job is to, to, to create a, an atmosphere where people can feel loved and then worship out of that place of love. Your job is to build the nets that can catch a 50-person team, that can hold, to build the systems and structures that can build, but your job is not to fill the team. Your job is not to bring in the harvest. And, and she said it so brilliantly and it stuck with me. I don't even know if she remembers, but it stuck with me for so long because it's God's worship team. It's not Jared's worship team. Like it's what I love about our pastors. This campus is not their campus. It's Jesus's campus. They just get the honor of leading it. And so I, I just wanna encourage you in your walk, in your life, in your realm, don't take God's move. Like if there's something in your marriage that is rough and struggling, don't try to fix the other person that's God's move fix your heart if there's a a a broken situation in your finances don't try to fix the economy like live under God's economy let that let him do the things that only he can do like you'll hear all the time in this house we don't have to participate in the world's economy and it's true as long as we let God move as long as we don't try to take it, oh, I'm gonna pick up six extra jobs and I'm gonna, like, we gotta do our part, yes, and work in the lane that he called us to and put our hand to the plow that he called us to, but we also have to let him do his part. We have to trust him to do his part. We have to sow the seed that we planned to invest into something that didn't work out. We have to We have to continue to trust him. So as I close today, I wanna to encourage you in your walk with God, find those areas. If one or two of these things, like, hit hard for you, it's not... To condemn but it is to convict and it is to to stir up faith in you that yes I can do a little bit more I can do my part I can partner with God in the miracles I need in my family I can partner with God in the in the breakthrough I want to see in my community and I, I hope today that you take away just a little bit of what you can do that you keep your hand to the plow because I'll leave you with this thought when we put our hand on the plow I, I love the picture we're, we're breaking up ground. It's hard work. If you've ever held an old school plow, they're usually made out of wood. You're going to get splinters. You're going to get blisters. Sometimes you can come out and be like, I don't want to. You can go back to that same office. I don't want to work here today. You can go back to that same argument you had with your spouse. I don't want to lay down my will for my spouse. You can go back to that same child that's been a difficulty for you and be like, I don't want to do this again. But I want to encourage you, take hope. Take faith that you're yoking up with Jesus, that you're, that you're joining with him in the, in the place that you're going. Put your hand to the plow again. Continue to work in the lane that he's called you to. Don't get distracted to the right or to the left and continue to flourish. If you'd go ahead and bow your heads, I want to pray for you tonight or this morning. Lord, I thank you for this amazing group of people. I pray, Father God, that you would bring them new levels of clarity of the the lane that you've called them to run in, that you would help them to see that there is a unique design purpose for their life, that you have them in a lane to run for a reason. I pray that they would not look to the right or to the left, but that they would continue to stay steadfast in what you've called them to do. And I pray that as they do, you would pour out your spirit and pour out your favor upon them. Lord, continue to elevate your sons and daughters as they draw closer to you, as they lean into you and for what you have for them. Lord, I pray a blessing over these amazing people. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com